We're back on the Exit 52 podcast. It is Friday, October 20th. My name is Jake Luke. I'm joined on my screen by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz on today's preview episode presented as always by Jimmy's Famous Seafood. How is it going, my friend? Going well. It's an exciting game, an exciting matchup. It feels like an anxious time for, I don't know, separating yourself for a Baltimore Ravens team that it feels like we, I don't know, we say this a lot, I think, between the two of us, but and it, it's the most cliche thing to say, but really five and two feels a lot different than four and three. The Lions feel like the first time you're having a little bit of a bigger dog come play in your uh, backyard in M&T Bank Stadium, the Ravens-Lions getting squared away, one o'clock kickoff on Sunday at the bank. And it's going to be a windy game. It's going to feature some high winds, I believe, but no over, or it'll be a little overcast, a little cloudy, but no rain, which is nice. A little wind we can deal with, get the wind swirling in there, and it's going to be an interesting team. I think it's an interesting matchup and a team that the Ravens kind of saw a little bit of a couple of years ago in Detroit. Justin Tucker, obviously, so much history. So I think it's an intriguing matchup. I think a lot of eyes will be on this one as these two teams are looking to cement themselves against one another. Yeah, no doubt. I think uh, it really is kind of the first big test in a while. Uh, and it's interesting because I would would have said that their first big test would have been the Bengals game. And they passed it pretty much with flying colors in Cincinnati. And then, you know, you lose a trap game at home to the Colts. And then you really lay an egg against the Steelers on the road. And it's just like, all right, what, what are we doing here with this team? And then thankfully they get back on track last week with the win over the Titans. But this will be... I think by, you know, far and away the best overall team that they've faced. I think Joe Burrow, you know, certainly is better than Jared Goff on uh, most given days, but Goff has played well to his, uh, to his undying credit. He's really reclaimed his career here. And that's a very nice story. Dan Campbell got these guys playing really hard and they're pretty deep. I mean, like it's very easy to look at a team like this and just say like more than the sum of their parts, they've got kind of a head coach who's the face of the operation, who's a little cartoonish and kind of, you know, just seems like a a little bit of a cattle driver in some ways, but really like, I mean, they got, they got studs at every level of this defense. The offense has a couple of players who are really explosive. They're not getting use out of one of them, funny enough, and uh, they're, they're chugging along here uh, with a nice record, and they're coming in, uh, I think, with their heads held high here, and they, they see this as a big test as well. So a lot of mutual respect on this field, and it's going uh, to take a lot for either team to walk away with a W here, I think. Yeah, I agree, and I guess to get into the nuts and bolts of it, When you go look at some baseline, I used a filter to remove anything below 10% win probability, anything above 90% win probability. These teams line up right next to each other. The Ravens offensive EPA somewhere just under uh, or just over, let's say 0.05. The Lions just barely ahead of them. In terms of offense, it looks like their EPA per play there, uh, sitting super similar to each other defensively. They're both super strong, right around minus 0.2 allowed per play. So I think when you look at these two teams, you see teams that, um, I, I don't know, it feels like the Lions are extremely well coached. It feels like they're clean. I don't think they're as talented as the Ravens. I guess to maybe start on the Ravens offensive side of the football this group is the sum of its parts. They have, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, who, I don't know. I, I like Aiden Hutchinson. I liked him as a prospect. I'm just not, I don't know. He he doesn't scare me. They line him up all over a little bit more so than maybe the Steelers do. Definitely than the Steelers do with TJ Watt. The Browns have started moving Miles Garrett with Jim Schwartz a little bit more so. I don't think he's as scary as either of those guys. He's just this, he, he should be a Watt brother. He's just pumping his arms all around and, flying around and all those things. I just, he's, he's a good player. He'll, he's, he's nice. I would like to have him. Maybe he's a, maybe he's a franchise type player. Sure. I don't know. He just doesn't scare me. He could have a sack or something. And then when I go look at the rest of this lion's pass rush, they blitz their linebackers a little tiny bit. They're pretty balanced. They don't really do anything above average in terms of coverage or blitz or pressure anything like that you look at the rest of their guys like they're they're well coached i think that's the real differentiator they've got aquara charles harris uh benito jones they've got levi on the second year player out of washington that comes in i love aline mcneil he's a little bit more in the you know michael i was gonna Pierce say style. that took you a while to get to your guy there i mean really yeah i, I like him a lot but i'm talking about like just pass rush third down those kinds of things like uh, to me the lions don't disguise coverage very often 
They don't blitz at a high rate. Some games they'll turn it up a little bit. They kind of just sit in zone a little more and keep things in front of them, and they play as like an 11-man team. They're just not super talented uh, overall, I would say. But being well-coached, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard, the, the old adage. And I think that they work really hard. They work well together. Their linebackers are kind of dynamic. Derek Barnes is a nice player. Anzalone is a smart player. Uh, the hard knocks honey pie of 2022, Malcolm, Rod Malcolm Rodriguez rotates in a little bit. They have the first-round pick, Jack Campbell. And you go look at these DBs, Brian Branch banged up. I think Jerry Jacobs is kind of a nice player. They've got Kirby, Kirby Joseph, Tracy Walker, Cam Sutton. Those guys have had no pressure on them at all. And this is what I look to when I, I go back and watch these Lions games, and I, I didn't really put them under the microscope. Uh, defensively, their DBs don't really get tested deep. They protect their corners. Their safeties play pretty conservatively. Kirby Joseph is a nice, has nice range, nice player. They haven't really faced a quarterback that buys time and is talented. I think that this very structured defense hasn't played out of structure, hasn't been forced to, I should say, play out of structure a lot. So I think a Lamar Jackson can extend plays and hurt them bad. Like the when you go look at who they've played, they have played the Desmond Ritter Falcons. They have played the Jordan Love Packers, two younger quarterbacks that, hey, they're a little mobile or whatever, but guys that just feel like they're figuring it out. They, they're basically you know in that rookie, rookie plus realm right now. Uh, they played Geno Stone and the Seahawks and got dumped on. They played the Travis Kelsey list Mahomes led Chiefs. Kelsey went down like two days before. That that definitely threw a monkey wrench in. Hey, they played a great game in that one. I'm not trying to take anything away, but let's not pretend like Travis Kelsey not playing doesn't hurt the Chiefs. And from last week, they go play Baker and the Bucks, who just can't really run the football at all. Like it's it's a one dimensional team. And I think when you go look at DVOA and some of these things that kind of weigh opponents. The Bucs are still pretty high up in, in some of these things. So I feel like when you look at DVOA, it's like, oh, well, the Bucs are good. I don't think they're going to finish as good, though. I think they're going to probably teeter offensively towards the middle of the pack and things like that. So I don't know. I just look at Lamar Jackson in this one. I'm like, yes, they're well coached. Yes, they're disciplined. But I see him just dancing on them. Like I see him extending plays and buying time and, and hurting them a lot. So I'm curious about that matchup. But it's just like, who's the best quarterback they played? Mahomes. And then it's going to be Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Mahomes, I thought he was, like, okay in that game. The interception of Brian Branch was unlucky, and, like, he was hitting open guys who were just dropping the ball. Kadarius Tony had an all-time awful game uh, that night. He would have looked good on the field uh, against the Steelers. That's another for, point. They, they they had basically the Ravens-Steelers game. They dropped, like, five passes. Yeah, so I don't know. You know, you don't want to take away too much credit from them, obviously. If you look at their EPA over 2022, especially defensively, like, they've improved a lot in that regard. They're similar offensively, if a little bit better. So offensively, it seems like they're carrying over a lot of guys with Amon Ross and Brown, Jamison Williams starting to get into the mix. He had the long touchdown last week, which is nice to see uh, him f hopefully getting his career back on track for them. But yeah, it's also like they've got some injury stuff going on. Like all of their running backs listed as questionable or uh, worse. You've got Montgomery questionable, Gibbs questionable, Reynolds questionable, Zonovan Knight to IR. Um, so, I mean, you know, obviously you'd assume that at least Gibbs and Reynolds are going to play. I think Montgomery is dealing with something a little bit more serious. Sam Laporta questionable too. Not actually sure what's going on there, but he's looked good. Ravens have been solid against tight ends. I feel like pretty much ever since Roquan Smith came to town. I think you've got some injuries to Jonah Jackson and Frank Ragnow at left guard and center there. So maybe that's creates some issues along that side of the line with, which would be nice with Odafe Owe coming back. So yeah, um, a lot going on injury wise, but just getting back to one side of the ball versus the other, I do kind of tend to agree that it presents a different test for them with Lamar. I mean, obviously we talked about what they did to Mahomes, but like we said, it's the factor of the chiefs having an just all time awful game um, with the receiving core. And obviously they would still be a strong team even without that win. But would we be talking about them in the same breath? And this goes back to the idea of like how much difference does one win make? Well, it makes a hell of a lot of difference. I mean, if you think back to even just this past week, 49ers were unstoppable, untouchable, greatest team in the league. Shani, greatest thing ever. Browns were in disarray. Jake Moody misses a chip shot 40-yarder. All of a sudden, all that gets turned on its head, at least for a week here. We'll see what happens with both of those teams. But it just goes to illustrate, uh, you know, how perception is kind of just heatering uh, like a seesaw um, and a pretty volatile one at that week to week. I agree. And I just kind of had the realization, like, Aiden Hutchinson – I'm looking at PFF grade and, and just, again, doesn't really pop on tape. I think that might be a big difference. 
between Hutchinson and a TJ Watt. Hutchinson and, and Miles Garrett's a little bit the same way, but some of these better edges that the Ravens have faced, he's not someone that's scary in the run game. And I look around the rest of their team. Their linebackers are pretty disciplined. They fit well. They have Aleem McNeil, my guy, Red Star, my guy, anything you want to say. That was my one of my baby boys in his draft class. He's a monster. Reminds you a lot of Michael Pierce, even more athletic. Um, maybe a he's a bit touch He's not quite as wide of a human, but he is pretty big boy. So with that in mind, they remind me of the Bengals. It reminds me of Trey Hendrickson. Like Trey Hendrickson's a nice player in the run game, uh, maybe even better than Hutchinson, but they just don't really have a lot of star power. They've got a nice, younger, athletic linebacker group. Alex Anzalone leads the pack there. Their DBs aren't this premier group of guys. Brian Branch is dinged up, has been missing time, um, has been limited. When you go check out Brian Branch, if I can find him. There he is. He's their best graded run defender. I was having trouble because I skipped program. Uh, didn't play last week and has missed time. Is questionable, you know, coming back from injury, all those things. So I look at it like, a well, again, I don't think they're as creative as Lou and Arumo's unit. But then you go, I mean, when you go look at their statistics, I mean, success rate, EPA per play allowed, drop back success rate, everything. They're top 10 in everything. If you do those same filters, they are neck and neck with the Ravens and ahead of them in terms of efficiency. Um, and not that the Ravens have really paid, played a juggernaut offense yet either. Like they played a hobbled Joe. I don't think Joe Burrow was hobbled in that one, but they made him hobbled or he decided to be hobbled, whatever. Um, so two teams that maybe haven't been tested that much defensively. But again, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be hard to shove the ball down their throat because they are stout. But I still think you can get some chunk yardage, chunk plays. And just the threat that Lamar Jackson presents is going to be way higher than anything else that they've seen, I believe. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's going to be on the offensive play calling to get a little bit more creative than I think we saw last week to maybe bring some of that lateral element to the running game, whether it's bringing Flowers or a DuVernay uh, across on the veer uh, or to uh, intimidate with the veer at least and uh, maybe getting some option involved, getting Lamar's legs involved early. I think a lot of people have been making the point that uh, he doesn't look quite as explosive as he used to. And like maybe there's some weight to that, but like, he still looks like probably a top three elusive. He's, he, he makes five guys miss a game still. I don't think he, I just think he doesn't care enough to run that fast. It doesn't look like, yeah, exactly. That's the exact thing that I would, I would say. Like I think back to obviously his most iconic run ever is the one against the Bengals. And yeah, he looked a little more slender in that one, but it looked like he was just going balls to the wall. I'm going to spin move and go score this touchdown no matter what. I think he's more careful nowadays. I think that's maybe an element of the injuries. He's looking he's, for like the 15 yard gain, not really the 50 much yeah. it feels like. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, he recognizes the fact that maybe it would be a little more prescient to just go for the sticks and then get a little bit more after that for gravy and then get down. And like, that's totally fine. So yeah, I, that's just an, uh, to me, an element of becoming a little bit of an older, smarter quarterback. So, you know, and he, like his elusiveness, more expensive quarterback. Yeah, to, yeah, and like that's 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 people talking about top speed when he breaks one into the open. Like he's still to me just as elusive, if not better than he was when he was younger at having a feel for the rush, manipulating the pocket, which is interesting to say with some of the fumbles. I get it, but I don't know, man. That he still makes plenty of like prime Russell Wilson plays where he steps around the uh, the defensive end who kind of rushed past him or you know does this or that like he did with say flowers last week where he stepped around the left tackle manipulated everything and then threw it back the other way for a touchdown he's still got all those clubs in the bag man so i i think reports of his uh athleticism declining are a little bit exaggerated at this point i don't yeah i don't think it's athleticism i think it's that he's expensive and it feels like he's ready to go balls to the wall towards the end zone in the red zone a little bit more we saw that i'll say prediction wise offensively, I think he scores a touchdown in this one on the ground. I, I don't know what it is, but at home, it feels like he really presses running the football, trying to, I think the crowd feeds it. I think he wants that like crowd response. I don't know how to put it into words, but I think he runs for one in this game. What I'm looking for out of the Ravens offense in general is creativity. And when you go look at the Lions offense, before you get to them, so much misdirection. And what we talked about in the, on the jumbo set about screens, double screens, getting guys in space, your trick, not, it's not even a trick play. It's like an end around where Derrick Henry was just a keeper, like things like that. That's the Lions offense, somewhat similar to the Titans offense, misdirection. They don't really, I mean, Jamison Williams brings some pop for sure. Jameer Gibbs has some of that, but hasn't been uh, a featured player, we'll say. I think the fantasy football community is going way too crazy on, on Jameer Gibbs. We'll, we'll get to that side of the ball. But anyway, 
I want to see them really exploit a defense that it feels like you can start to use Lamar Jackson on some early runs and options and start to get them going. Set up a shot play. Where's the Y leak? Like, yeah. where is the leak to Mark Andrews? Or, or to Isaiah, Isaiah Likely. Likely, who's like, you could literally spring Isaiah Likely by, you know, drawing a ton of interest Mark Andrews' way and then throwing it back to your really athletic tight end who's not... They can really run downfield and tracks the ball well deep and did that in college, and we've seen bits and pieces of that so far. So where where is that element? I haven't seen it at all. I think it oh, it's just such a tough... Without being in the room, it's really tough to know whether this is a function of Todd Munkin forcing growth or not really trying to be creative at all. I, I, the optimist says we're going to line up and do more traditional things, have some option run. Zay Flowers will go, you know, come in motion a little. They, they did a little end around to Zay Flowers, some things like that, but it just feels like in the past game, where is the the trickery? Not even trickery. Trickery is not the right word. Where is the moving the launch point and throwing it back across the field and seeing if you can have a deep play in order. It feels like they really just want to be methodical like they were in the Roman offense with more spread stuff, with more 11 personnel, with more throwing the ball underneath uh, as an extension of the run game. So I, I just want to see something creative. I think if the Ravens offense struggles in this one, it's just them lining up and playing football again. And there's just not enough creativity to, put the lions in a bad spot defensively. Yeah. I would like to see some really mixing it up and throwing it downfield for explosive gains, 20 plus yards. Like, and I feel like getting Zay flowers involved uh, in moving from one side of the field to the other is a way to, to, you know, you, you can bet on that being a good way to do so. Uh, I, it feels like he's made plenty of big plays, kind of including the the one deep shot they've hit with him in Cincinnati. It wasn't quite going across the field, but same idea. But he's had those ones where he starts on one side, goes to the other, and then Jackson kind of mo moves with him to the way that you're talking, and he hits him. He did that against the Browns. I think he had a couple against um, a couple against the Titans. Uh, he had, I think at least one against the Steelers and he dropped it. And then he had another against the Steelers that he did catch. So yeah, I don't know. It feels like, uh, it feels like it is time, especially in a, this is a, it's a big game to our point. This is their first big test really. And, uh, it, this is kind of the, the time to start pulling those stops out. So I'd like to see that as well. Definitely. And, and again, I think it's a well-coached unit. And if you want to just line up and try and run down their throat and go in traditional spread looks and, not utilize a ton of play action, not move the pocket, not give them a lot to think about with motion. I, I really think it's time to pump the motion numbers up. Like what the Dolphins, what the 49ers, what the Rams, what all of those teams are doing, isn't that what you are trying to be, the 11 spread team? What 11 spread teams are having success? The ones that are using a really high rate of motion and high rate at the snap. The Rams are using a good clip. I think they're about 20% at the snap and somewhere in the 40s. Uh, I did see that their EPA per play, the 10 lowest EPA per play personnel groupings in the NFL, nine of them are out of 11 personnel. And one of them, I think the fifth lowest is the Baltimore Ravens in 11. They're not efficient in it right now. I think they're just being stock and basic. And this is a game you got to pull. Growing is great, but if you want to win this one against a good team and go play a Cardinals next week, team next week that you should beat, Pull out a little bit of the tricks, like grow next week, grow the week after you're at home back off the London game, which I think is worrisome that they didn't take a buy jet lag. They really definitely got up for that. They took that London game really seriously. It seems like to me, and this is a classic kind of, if I think if it was a worse team, I think it'd be a huge trap game, letdown spot, especially against the spread, things like that. Maybe the fact that the lions are getting a lot of buzz and have a good record can be that, motivator for a Ravens team that definitely could set up the, the Ravens elected not to take a buy after London, which teams do get the option to do. And they wanted it way later in the year. So they got it way later in the year. Um, so I, I'm just curious about that. I don't want to see this team come out flat. And I think a lot of it is going to be being creative. And, and if you want to go line up against a defense, that's kind of like the Bengals or kind of just stout and just play at them. I think you're not going to separate from them at all. Yeah, no, it's uh, this is a big spot in all sorts of ways. Like, and it really goes into the good discussion that we had about the atmosphere at the stadium the last couple of years. This is like this is one of the bigger regular season matchups that I can think of for a lot of different reasons. And you know, there have been big ones before where you've had the Bengals come into town or whatever it might be. But 
Now this stigma is kind of associated with this home field advantage, and now it is being put to the test in a big way with a very good team who is coming in with a chip of, on their shoulder of their own, and they're going to want to beat the hell out of the Ravens and make a statement to the rest of the league like they continue to, like these teams that kind of rise from the ashes seem to want to a lot of the time, but especially so with this squad uh, and this, this fan base that I'm seeing a little bit uh, on Twitter, which is fun. Um, but yeah, man, it's a, it's a, it's a test for all sorts of different reasons. And I'm interested to see, interested to see how this offense rises up to it because they, uh, they of the two units have been the one that I, while I think they've been good and I've been very encouraged by a lot of what I've seen, they are still leaving some stuff to be desired here. So I'd say, let's make this a kitchen sink game and, uh, go out and hand it to them a little bit. A lot of that is just doing it when you get into the red zone, a lot of talk about red zone stuff being a little more creative. I think Dan Orlovsky, Dan Orlovsky's getting good. I'm liking Dan Orlovsky a lot more than I did like two years ago. And he said teams are failing the red zone or are successful in the red zone for one of two reasons. It's basically, can you get guys open? There's a third factor, which is being able to run the ball down teams' throats in close quarters. But he's like, can, in the past game, can you get guys open, aka be creative and scheme looks, make the defense be wrong, or can you be really precise? Can you throw into tight windows accurately and confidently and execute and make plays and catches, have really strong timing? And those aren't things we've seen the Ravens have outside of uh, Cleveland Browns' performance where they go four for four in the red zone. And I just think it's ironic. What, the, to take it way too far, it's like, how do you win games? You score points. The Ravens scored, what, 24 points against the Titans. Feels like the offense was awful. Then they scored, what, 28 points against the Browns? And sure, they could have scored more maybe, whatever. But it's like, they're living in the 20s. Let's see the Ravens get to the upper 20s against the Lions team. I think to win this game, you probably have to score about 23, 24 minimum. And to confidently win, you probably have to score about 27, 28, 30 points somewhere in there uh, offensively. And a lot of that's going to come down to the execution in the red zone. And for the love of God, can they generate an explosive touchdown once? This year, I mean, Aguilar was close. Zay Flowers, they had a deep completion. Um, I don't know what else I'm even thinking. Of. Like, what other plays? They just have been very methodical. And they need to figure out a way to generate explosive plays. And I think a long touchdown of some sort or close to it can go far away in opening things up and, and getting the Lions defense into a little bit of a, a scared territory. No doubt. Uh, do you want to switch to the other side of the ball? Yeah, definitely. Let's do it. So then you go switch. You see a Jared Goff-led offense. The Lions without David Montgomery, it feels like in this one. Maybe we'll get an update as we're recording. We're recording pretty early here. Uh, Jameer Gibbs list missed last game. Questionable with a hamstring. That's no fun. Craig Reynolds, the other hard knocks prince from 2022, uh, laid a huge block last game. Also had like a 60-yard gain on the Bucks. I think, somewhere around there. I think it was on a screen pass, if I'm not mistaken. Uh also questionable, Zonovan Knight, their fourth string running back on IR. Amon Ross St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, uh, Jamison Williams. They used Khalif Raymond a little bit. Sam Laporta, the rookie tight end, has been outstanding on pace for the best fantasy football season of any rookie tight end in history. Their fullback is on IR. They have Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson, Frank Ragnow, Graham Glasgow, and Penny Sewell from left to right. And this offense led by Ben Johnson, who there's a fun uh, metric of rating play callers weighing offenses and opponent, like weighing Patrick Mahomes playing against a bad defense or a good defense. How good is the play caller? Basically is the play caller getting the offense to perform above or below expectation? Ben Johnson, the far and away number one offensive coordinator in the NFL on that metric. And to me, it's the Titans. It's kind of like the Titans on, on steroids. They do have a Jamison Williams who is explosive at a 50 yard touchdown last week. Jared Goff goes under center a ton. The Lions have arguably the probably no worse than a top three offensive line in the NFL, probably top two of them in the Eagles, I'd say, are, are the best units in the NFL. And Goff is cooking on all cylinders, managing the game. They love to impose their will in the run game. Last week they couldn't after David Montgomery went down and were one-dimensional and still just threw the ball all over the yard uh, on the Bucks defense. So this offense has been cooking with gas. They're confident. They're precise and creative, like we just talked about. Golf is making tight window throws and getting wide open throws. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be exciting to see what approach they do take because the Ravens, uh, they've done well against the run this year. And, you know, anecdotally watching that first week against the Chiefs, 
it seemed like the Lions went into it with that very kind of straightforward stock idea of, okay, we're going to set up the run on these stretches in particular. Then we're going to have golf go to the play action and he's going to get hit Amon Ross St. Brown, who was in a phone booth a lot of the time, but he would still make the catches. And uh, that, that really led to success in the pass game. And then in turn, that sets back up the run. So I think if the Ravens can snuff out the run a little bit, uh, get Roquan and Queen going downhill at these guys, whoever they're going to be feeding, because I'm not sure who is going to be playing at running back for them. And then you just got to kind of see what happens with this group of cornerbacks. Marlins return has been interesting. It's been a little bit up and down. I think Darby is still dealing with an injury as well. So we'll see if Rocky Sin gets back into the mix, maybe. Um, but I don't know, man, for a guy like St. Brown, who they use over the middle of the field a lot, he's kind of, I feel like they're de facto guy. Uh, I'm interested to see the approach they take. Do they put Marlon Humphrey on him? Do they uh, just kind of stick with their base look? Do they have Kyle Hamilton downhill again? Or is he going to be up keeping a lid on things? Uh, you know, for an offense that doesn't really contain like a superstar type player, I think there are threats pretty much across the board here. And, you know, golf isn't the most mobile guy in the world, but like you said, man, he's playing above his station, accurate as ever, which was really like his main selling point. So it's good to see him getting back to that. But yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a very unique test. Like this feels like an offense that would have been really good uh, or even better, like probably, you know, five, 10 years ago. But now uh, the fact that they're doing what they're doing with this group of personnel, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's it's a well-run offense. And I really don't think they're very talented uh, outside their offensive line. I do like Amon Ross St. Brown a lot. I, I like the backs. Um, Goff is a fine player. I know who Jared Goff is still. Like, he's in a good offense for him. They're under center a lot. He's able to get the ball out a lot. He still sucks when you hit him. He's still not great under pressure. If you go look at PFF charting under pressure, he has a 53% completion percentage, two touchdowns, two picks, 6.4 yards per attempt. He's been pressured on 32.4% of his dropbacks. Lamar Jackson, who sometimes invites pressure because he's 10 times more athletic in that sense than Jared Goff is, has been and had, is not playing behind Penny Sewell and Frank Ragnow and a much more maybe talented Lions offensive line, has been pressured on 34% of dropbacks, 1.6% difference there. When he's not, he's outstanding. He has 8.6 yards per attempt. He has seven big-time throws. He's only made one turnover-worthy play. His adjusted completion percentage with 10 drops, which is a lot, is 88.2%. An 8.3 drop rate, very high. So they've been dropping the ball. A lot of that has to do with time to throw. He's kept clean because he gets the ball out in 2.3 seconds. When he's under pressure, it's 2.98. If you hit Jared Goff and get him to hold the football, you will beat Jared Goff. If you can consistently hit him, you will beat him. So the Ravens don't like to blitz a ton. The Lions pick up pressure well. They pick up stunts well. But I still think Mike McDonald is just a little smarter than most. He is number one at what he does. Uh, in terms of pressure front, simulating pressure, all of those things, creepers, Ravens do it at a really high rate. They do it really well. They have a lot of guys that can come. It's going to be loud, hopefully, in that stadium. Hashtag make M&T Bank Stadium loud again. Check I think, out the this, is a, I think this is a campaign we need to start. And we need to we need to shame people, too. Like, you know, get, get out. Yeah, of if you're listening to this right now and you go to the Ravens game, why do fans don't matter? Yes, they literally do. Because if it's loud, then an offense has to go silent count. They can't do hard count. They The defense is able to tee off more so because they can go on ball movement. There's not hard count. They don't have to worry about hard count. Offenses will jump off sides more. Why do you think at the stadium, they put the decibel levels up at every stadium? Make some noise. because it, And why do the Chargers get pissed off when they don't have fans and say, we shouldn't be having to go silent count? That impacts the game. That is a literal, tangible, real way of impacting a game. So if you go to any Ravens game, if you go to this Ravens game and you don't want Jared Goff to feel comfortable, you want to hit him because he's worse under pressure. He's still Jared Goff. He's played better under pressure probably than he has in his career because he's a little more confident in this system and, and they protect him in good ways and things like that. But he hasn't really been harassed any one game. So the Ravens lead the NFL in sacks. They're sixth in quarterback hits. They're, I think, second, tied for second or second in pressure percentage, all of those things. Hit Jared Goff and win. And if you can prevent them from running the football, make them one-dimensional, they'll throw screens, they'll throw those kinds of things, and you want to hashtag make M&T Bank Stadium loud again, we're going to make a T-shirt for it, make the bank loud again, you'll help. So I would love to see Ravens fans bring the noise. I bet there's going to be a shitload of Lions fans at this game. They've been at every game. 
There's a huge section of them. They keep going on the road and keep taking over stadiums. So make M&T Bank Stadium loud again. There were a lot of Vikings fans. The NFC North, I feel like, travels well if they're a good team. There were a lot of Vikings fans at the Ravens-Vikings game. What was that? Two years ago? 21, yeah. Yeah, in 21. There was a lot of them. They were talking some smack, too. They were, they were pretty rowdy, a bunch of big Nordic boys uh, talking some smack. So uh, I think that if you can hit Jared Goff, you can win. The On screens, the screens account for 12.5% of Jared Goff's dropbacks. Screens and play action are right around 40%. Of his 216 dropbacks, 59 are play action and 27 are screens. Uh, they've been able to generate 142 yards, 5.3 yards per attempt on those screens. A couple of those happened last week. They like to get it to Amon Ross St. Brown. They like to get it to a Craig Reynolds. They like to get it to maybe a Sam Laporta. Um, and golf has been great deep. I think he's always been one of the best deep throwers of the football when he's kept clean. Seven, He's 12 of 17 for 351 yards, which is a 20.6 yard per attempt three touchdowns and a pick with five big-time throws. 29.4% big-time throw rate on deep balls is about as high as you'll really ever see uh, from PFF. So the key in this one to me, you asked a good question, you know, what are you going to do with the Monroe St. Brown? I don't know. They paid Roquan Smith $100 million. You have Kyle Hamilton. You have Patrick Queen. Uh, Arthur Mollett's been playing well. I, I don't think Marlon Humphrey travels. I don't think the Ravens are really a man team like that anymore. So I think they will kind of sit and park Brandon Stevens on one side and Marlon Humphrey on the other for the most part. And it's going to be a battle of Laporta and Amon Ross St. Brown. And I'll throw Josh Reynolds in there, who quietly is having a really good season, is like fantasy relevant. That's how good he's been playing. Uh, can start him and feel okay in a PPR league. Those three guys are going to work the middle of the field and the intermediate area of the field. The Lions throw over the intermediate a ton. They throw there on 20% of their pass plays, which is a pretty fair amount. And... That's where they like to cook a little bit short. They're not that great. They're not that explosive. Like they don't really scare you. So I think, you know, you, you think of their deep threat. It's Jamison Williams and Khalif Raymond. If you let them have a big play to Jamison Williams over top, then they'll probably score points because they're really efficient and creative in the red zone. But if you make them go the long way and go the hard way and keep throwing the football over the middle of the field, that's what Mike McDonald wants you to do. So I think the strength, the strength of this Lions team Throwing the football over the middle of the field, being precise against zone defense, the strength of this Ravens team, creating pressure through simulating pressure and funneling you to the middle of the field. So that strength on strength. Amon Ross St. Brown's a really good football player. Uh, Laporte has been good, but I'm, I'm putting my money on at home, Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, uh, a Geno Stone and a, a Kyle Hamilton there. I'm, I'm putting my money on those guys to make plays. The thing I expect to see a lot would be in two high looks when the Ravens go too high. They do it about 32% of, or excuse me, about uh, I think 60% of their post snap coverage is too high. I think they're going to try the, the, they're going to try and use a Monra a little wider and some of these guys a little wider than run digs and in breaking stuff and dagger because the Ravens will give outside leverage. They don't want to lose outside in those quarters or those cover six looks. And it'll be like, Oh, George Pickens beat Mark and Marlon Humphrey inside. It's like he gave him inside. They're funneling you inside to the linebackers and the safeties so I think we see the Lions attack there a ton. And that's kind of where we saw the Ravens bait Joe Burrow into throwing that pick to Geno Stone. It was like, we're going to show you, and then there's going to be a backside safety that's going to fly across or a linebacker that's going to cut underneath. So I think that's the chess game we'll see a lot on that side of the football. And I don't know, man. It would be really embarrassing if and they're a talented group. Jameson Williams can fly. Amon Ross St. Brown's a really quality you know, uh, slot kind of guy. And... Laporte has been good, but if they can come into the bank and embarrass you and score three touchdowns on you, like three touchdown drives, throwing over the middle into the heart of your defense, that's embarrassing. I don't think that will happen, um, and I'm excited for that matchup overall. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a good point, and I think straight up I would probably take this Ravens defense uh, in talent uh, and maybe even in coaching over this uh, Lions offense. I know Ben Johnson's doing a good job, so I think just kind of play your game, play it straight up. And uh, you'll be able to hang with them, especially with the home field advantage that uh, hopefully will be cranked up. I mean, the schedule remains weird. Uh, this will just be the third game at home. They've had three on the road. You got one more on the road after this in Arizona. Then you get a nice three-game homestand against some good teams, albeit. But that's where it starts to kind of level out a little bit. So that'll be good to see. Uh, offensively, too, I mean, just one more thing I wanted to note. I think they're going to emphasize playing a complete game this week offensively. I just saw Todd Munkin. He's meeting with the media right now. 
He made a point of we have to do a better job coming out in the second half. Bottom line, there is no magic formula, he says. But he's mentioned that. Odell Beckham highlighted that. I think Harbaugh mentioned it a little bit as well. It seems like that's probably something that's being brought up uh, behind closed doors. I think these guys want to emphasize finishing games a little bit, not having a stupid interception or a stupid fumble, whatever turnover uh, that allows teams to get back into games. I think they're going to they're gonna emphasize playing a full 60 minutes here. And uh, I'm excited to see if they're able to succeed because it does feel like as much as we're talking about wanting this offense to get into fifth gear, it does feel like a lot of the points that we're making are that they're self-inflicting a lot of this shit upon themselves. Like they've, they, I feel like they have the talent to go out there and play a complete game in this one and uh, get a comprehensive win, frankly, on the back of the offense uh, as much as the defense. So uh, excited to see if all this talk about it is going to come to fruition. I just feel like they're asking a lot of their guys scheme wise. Like PFF does the offensive line grades versus expected grade or things like that. Or like ex- there's also, which is popular, like expected fantasy points above average, those kinds of things. I would gamble that the Ravens expected production and efficiency is not very high. Like as an, if you, that's removing talent from it. Like what they're asking their players to do and their quarterback to do, I think is higher than average. I think it's high level of difficulty. There's, like I said, not a lot of gimmick to their offense. There's not a lot of misdirection necessarily. If it is, it's Zay Flowers. And it feels like that's not by getting teams to bite the last couple of weeks. I think they're not that scared of that. And then the other, the alternative is like, all right, well, if we have our guys go to Zay Flowers, we protect Lamar, you know, make sure Lamar Jackson's not keeping the ball going the other way. Easier said than done, of course. But like, that's kind of the most creativity I feel like we've seen. So I don't love that uh, against a Lions team, like I said, that is disciplined. I expect them not to bite. If you want the Ravens to just line up and go throw into zone windows and they can catch the football and be smart and be a little bit more precise, then I think the Ravens have a great day. If Like they did, they should have done against the Steelers. That's kind of what the Steelers did. Um, and they just dropped the football. So those are kind of the layers of the onion. When I think about it, here's Lions coach Dan Campbell on Lamar Jackson. Lamar, I see. Um, well, if if I was dreaming about how to stop these guys, he'd be the first one I would think of if I was uh, coming out of a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> he is dangerous, so he's dangerous. And, and uh, like I say, they don't ask him to do as much as he did before with his legs, but it, there's plenty of it still in there, and he's throwing it pretty good. You know, they've, they've made a concerted effort to do a little more drop back with him. And he is, he's throwing the ball well, and he's got guys that are making plays for him. But if it's not there, he still, he'll take off and he gets, he gets up the middle, he gets the edge and, and he's going to hurt you get a first down and there we go or an explosive. So he's extremely dangerous as always. That's not changing right now. So it'll, that focal point will always start with him, especially defensively. Mark. So, you know, I think that's all the honest truth. And to me, I'd like to see a little bit more under center play action, some of that stuff. Um, If John Simpson stinks, I think that could ruin their day. He stunk last week. And I think that was a huge reason why they were so off was quick pressure on shit that was picked up and he just fucking lost. And I think that sucked to watch. Um, So I'm looking for him to have an okay performance or better. An average performance, I think, goes a long way. But... They just remind me like the Bengals defense. And if you kind of can sack up against Hutchinson, who is a good player, he is disruptive. He does create pressure. He can sack the quarterback, but again, is not TJ Watt is not miles Garrett at this point. I think that you can get after them and Lamar Jackson can buy time and make plays. And I think it's just, just time, man. It's just time to put some points on the board, score a long touchdown at home. We haven't seen one since maybe the Lamar Jackson or excuse me, the Rashad Bateman slant, like something like that. Can't can just something like that happen in a Ravens game. Like that's why that was so electric. It never happens. If it's not Lamar running on a bash or a veer or something, it's like, it never happens. It can't be a running back on a 65 yard touch. It just doesn't. They'll get a 25 yard gain. There's just no explosive to the point of like 50 plus yard game 40 and they're not that common it's easy to say all these things i know it's like rudimentary but 
Can somebody just fucking house something? Like, can Zay Flowers just house a slant Dude, or when, something? When Aguilar got shoestringed last week, you were the first person I thought of. I was like, that would have been like, that would have been the one. And it's because it's just, God, it just goes to show how fucking close it, it is. Like, from a macro level, when we talk about, uh, you know, get, you know, records and are who are you? Are you what your record says you are? To the micro level of you get shoestring tackled and then we're having this discussion uh, still, you know, for it. We were talking about this in 2021, and your boy, the Zombie Shark, uh, housed one against the Steelers in uh, one of the more miserable games I've ever attended. So hopefully uh, the fortunes change this week. But I guess I guess we can wrap it there. 40-minute mark, ready to get into some predictions. Definitely. And let me pull up on FanDuel super quick and see where the line is, where all these things are, and what, what kind of early action we are seeing. The Ravens open as three-point favorites. They are still three-point favorites. The over/under in this game is 43 and a half, so that's basically expecting right around a 23 to 20 or 24 to 21 game in this one from Vegas. The Ravens minus 156 on FanDuel in the money line. Uh, Lamar Jackson passing over 216 and a half. Player passing touchdowns each over one and a half. Lamar Jackson better odds than Jared Goff. Some of those things there. Uh, alternate total points. Some fun things in there, I think, but. I I don't know. The factors in my prediction are the Ravens coming back from London after a big win that they put a lot of energy into. And the Lions, this is like the this is kind of like the Lions London game. Like they don't have a bye. It's back-to-back road games, and this is the better team with the better record. And it's probably a more intimidating place to play in Baltimore. Or like not intimidating, but more reputable place to play in Baltimore as opposed to Tampa Bay and Baker, and it's Lamar Jackson and those kind of things. So I feel like if I had to guess, I would think that the Lions are a little bit more up to this one. I, I think this is a, a Ravens team that we've seen go up and down and up and down and up and down. Uh, but at the end of the day, I just feel like the Ravens defense can overpower the Lions' strengths, especially without David Montgomery. We'll see what happens with Jameer Gibbs. Uh, I didn't get into Gibbs. I can get into him something else, maybe tomorrow. But I think the Ravens win this one, maybe against my better judgment. And I just feel like, if not now, when? Like, if not now to beat a good team at home, and I didn't get all that stuff. I got into it on Twitter. We talked about it with the settlement, all that stuff. But if not now, when? Like, have a fucking day against a good Lions team, that team that really, you know, they beat the Chiefs. That was nice. That was tough of them. But kind of has been cruising a little against some okay, crappy teams, mediocre-ish teams, mediocre-ish quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson at home, get to five and two. I think the Ravens are able to out-talent the Lions defense. And I think they're able to match talent, if not exceed it, and outsmart or be on point with Ben Johnson, Mike McDonald, Ben Johnson. Um, So I think the Ravens win maybe a, I'm going to call it a 24 to 19 game. I think the red zone is just going to be where the bread and butter is. And I think the Lions will have something creative up their sleeve for at least one red zone trip, one goal to go situation, and they can maybe get a free touchdown of sorts. And I think that the Ravens defense is just playing fucking football right now and can hold them in that 20 point range. And I think it'd be different if they didn't have David Montgomery, but I'm going to go Ravens, you know, 24 Lions, 19. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking similar. I'm going to go with Ravens, 28. Uh, Lions 24. Uh, I think this is, uh, I think they really do want to make a statement here on offense. And, you know, if you're noticing this stuff about their offense not being creative enough and this and that, I'm sure that it's on their mind too. And they want to start not only executing it, but putting it more into the game plan. I think, you know, I trust Todd Munkin. I think he's smart. Uh, I think he is self-effacing and I think he's a, a guy who knows how to self-scout. So, you know, it has looked inconsistent at times. It looks like they've been stuck in fourth gear a little bit, but overall, I can't. I do want to stress that I've been pretty damn satisfied with what I've seen thus far, and I think there's more meat left on the bone that they could be kind of picking off here. So, I think they. Uh, I think they find that gear this week, and I think they make a statement. They play as close to a complete game as you can, and I think the defense shows up as well. But this Lions team is good; they're to be respected too. Uh, this offense is probably going to have some trickeration of their own dialed up. So I'm expecting a close game, but I got Ravens winning it, uh, 28-24 by virtue of what is going to be a great home field advantage here on a Sunday. It's time Make to time to get it again. rocking. Yeah, let's get let's get it rocking again.
make the bank loud again. I don't care. And don't get into it. If you're, you're our demographic, our demographic is under 40 years old. It's over generally 23 years old male, unsurprisingly. I didn't know that. I just, uh, you're telling me now for the first time. So don't be, what do the Ravens say? Don't be a jerk. Don't get into it with some grouch that's older. Don't get kicked out of the game. Don't have to curse. Just be loud. And don't let the olds that we talked about condescendingly make you feel shameful for being excited and rooting for your team just because they've had PSLs for 743 years and shouldn't even be going to games anymore. Now, is this a lower bowl thing? This really doesn't happen to me. My section that I sat in, 513 for my entire life, part of the reason we left is because they were all sourpusses. I was in 519. Yeah, it's interesting. I was in 519, and there was one guy that sat directly behind me that was like that, but everyone else would tell him to shut the fuck up because I would stand up and he'd be like, I, I can't stand, sit down. And everybody would be like, oh, you shut the fuck up. But yeah, I, that, anecdotally, so, that's... I don't know. I've I've had mixed... It's mixed reviews. My, my experience isn't everyone's experience, but if that is happening to you, don't mind it any attention. Do not react. Do not curse. Make the bank loud again. Be loud on every single third down. Cheer, beat the drum, bang on the seat, whatever. Don't let any condescending older people. Like I get a real mixed bag now because there's not a lot of PSL around me. So last week, like I said, like I had a younger-ish, they're probably maybe two years older than me, couple excited, high-fiving, screaming, upset when things went bad, happy when things went well, classic fans. But I just want to hear it like come to life. Terrell Suggs is here. Like, I kind of wish like this is maybe this is a weird take, but I kind of wish the video board wasn't as like active and instructive as it is. Like, I kind of wish the crowd was just organically like, I don't need all this, like everybody clap your head. Like, I don't need all this shit. Like, yes, can we I just agree. like, let's just get loud on our own here. I don't need to it's be like, too, it's too franchised feeling. Yeah. It's just kind of feels like off the conveyor belt a little bit. Like, let's get a little organic kind of energy pumping through this place. I agree. And fully. shout out to like Joe Paparotti, like all these really good people working behind the scenes here. And like, it's, it's awesome stuff, but I, I I'm saying on the crowds end of things, let's just kind of whip it, whip the votes on our own a little bit here. I fully, fully, fully agree with that statement. Um, so with that in mind, make the bank loud again, we're going to have some t-shirts coming out. Let's make the, let's make the bank loud again. Let's get this thing crack a lack in. It's also a Sunday one o'clock game and the primetime games are great. They're still, Boss, Boston. Everybody wants to go to those. Make a one o'clock game feel like a primetime game against a Lions team that is like the talk of the league. Get up there, get rowdy, have fun. This is a big tailgating Sunday. Like it's mid October. The weather's still fair enough that it doesn't suck. So it might, you know, this might be one of two or three like good weather ish <laughs> tailgates that you can have. It's going to be like 60 and a little windy. That's good. That's fall weather. That's like fine fall weather. It's I couldn't wait raining. till fall so I could really start dressing. And so exactly I, throw your throw your absolute camo pants on, throw them fits together, go balls to the wall this Sunday and scream the lions out of town. Make Jared Goff have to go silent count all those things. Like we don't get into the fan stuff like that too, too much, but I'm just, I'm just sick. I'm just sick of it. Not being what it used to be and maybe it's just me getting older and i'm not a kid and things like that and the good old days and everybody wants to do that blah 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 blah. can we just have a rocking sunday one o'clock game against the detroit lions when they come to town this week that's all i ask if you're thinking about going go i will say and maybe this has a bad impact later right before the game on the game time app which we are not affiliated with my friends get tickets for like freaking 22 dollars all the time, like 15 bucks after fees. Virtual you can also scalping. toggle on to see the final price in the game time app. No free ads, free ads. The, the tickets are like $20 a lot of the time. Like four, maybe it's 45 bucks. Budget yourself for like 80 bucks. You'll get in the game cleanly and easily at like, you can buy a ticket at like 12 41 for like 40 bucks at worst case, most games. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, yeah, just get out there. Let's have some fun. I know. And another thing is everyone loves to talk about how much better the NFL product is like watching on TV. I tend to agree with that, but it's like, you can't get back like days going to a, a football game with your friends. It's like one of the most fun things. And I know like baseball is a more laid back fun environment. It was great to watch the Orioles this summer, but there, you know, it's a, an entirely unique opportunity uh, to be able to wake up on a Sunday, go tailgate with your friends, 
go watch this game, get raucous, get rowdy, get emotional. Like just go, go, go do it. Like go do shit as opposed to not doing shit in your life. Like that's really as simply as I can put it. And they haven't been home. This will be one of in five games. They're home for one of them. Yeah. And like, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That was what I was talking about. This weird schedule. Like we're getting into a homestand here. It's going to be one here, one away, then three here. Let's, let's gear up for this homestand. It's going to be a fun one and we'll make it a fun one. I think, it, I mean, it's it's hard to say it doesn't help the team out when they feel like energy pumping out of the crowd when they make a play. Yeah, no doubt. It's there. There are psychological factors that subtly, very subtly impact uh, the game, in my opinion. I know it's, you know, analytics people or whatever might frown upon that, but, and I, I don't even like. I, you can't, how could you, I don't even know how you could frown upon that. Your statement was that psychological factors impact the game. That's a. But the, yeah, but you get all these idea. you get all these people Somebody with poo uh, poo on it. But if they do, then poo poo to them. A lot of a lot of underscore pffs uh, in their handle will be. Yeah, you know, momentum, ooh, is, momentum, not a, momentum yeah. is not real. Yeah, for sure, dude. Yeah, I'm sure game you. Is, I'm sure you played on 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 your TV with remote controllers. They're yeah. the ones that don't go to games. Definitely played a lot of sports growing up. Um, but yeah, okay, that's uh, okay, Eric Eager was a tight end for one year at a D three school. Okay, well that's good for him. Love that. Um, but okay, let's. Uh, no one can do that. That's very tough to do. Hey, listen, shout out to, uh, you know, Dan Quinn, Salisbury University zone and uh, d- doing pretty well for himself. But OK, I guess that's enough for the week running on 50 minutes here. Nice tight preview. Really enjoy that. Enjoy you guys listening as always. Thank you for doing so. Feel free to subscribe to us on YouTube, like, subscribe, comment, get it, get it, get engaged, get active in the comments section. Uh, subscribe to the podcast as well, wherever you can leave a five star rating and review. Follow us on social media at XF52Podcast on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Jake Luke, L-O-U-Q-U-E is me on Twitter, and he is at Ravens4Dummies. That is the number four. Thanks, as always, guys. Get out to the bank on Sunday, and then we will talk to you on Sunday night after, hopefully, a win in front of a big crowd. See you. Arrivederci.